Hello and welcome to the JCBC Podcast. My name is Sean, and I'm so grateful that you found our podcast. Listen, the JCBC Podcast is a collection of several sermons that have been preached over the years at Johns Creek Baptist Church. I pray that as you find these sermons and you listen to them, they would meet you where you are in your journey. And I trust that God will do something in these words to lift up your head, if only for a little while. So go ahead and subscribe to us and follow along. The grace and the peace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you this day of worship. I want to encourage you wherever you are, in the sanctuary or in the Family Life Center, or at home, watching from afar, to grab your Bible and turn with me to the 12th chapter of 1 Corinthians. 1 Corinthians chapter 12, and we continue today in our series called The Cruciform Way. And we begin reading in verse 4 of 1 Corinthians 12. Now, there are varieties of gifts, but the same Spirit. And there are varieties of services, but the same Lord. And there are varieties of activities, but it is the same God who activates all of them in everyone. To each, to each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. To one is given through the Spirit the utterance of wisdom, and to another the utterance of knowledge according to the same Spirit. To another, faith by the same Spirit. To another, gifts of healing by the one Spirit. To to another, the working of miracles. To another, prophecy. To another, discernment of spirits. To another, various kinds of tongues. To another, the interpretation of tongues. And all these are activated by one and the same Spirit who allots to each one individually just as the Spirit chooses. For, for, it's, for just as one body right, it, it has many members, and all of the members of the body, though many are one body, so it is with Christ. For in the one Spirit we were all baptized into one body, Jews or Greeks, slaves or free, and we were all made to drink of one spirit. Indeed, the body does not consist of one member, but of many. If the foot were to say, because I'm not a hand, I don't belong to the body, well, that doesn't make it any less a part of the body. And if the ear were to say, because I'm not an eye, I don't belong to the body, that would not make it any less a part of the body. If If the whole body were an eye, where would the hearing be? And if the the whole body were hearing, where would the sense of smell be? But as it is, God has arranged the members of the body, each one of them as he chose. All, if all were a single member, where would the body be? As it is, there are many members, yet one body. The eye can't say to the hand, I have no need of you, nor, again, the head to the feet, I have no need of you. On the contrary, the members of the body that that seem to be weaker are indispensable. 
And those members of the body that we think less honorable, we clothe with greater honor. And our, our less respectable members are treated with greater respect. Whereas our more respectable members do not need this. But God has so arranged the body, giving the greater honor to the inferior member, that there may be no dissension within the body. But the members may have the same care for one another. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. Now you are the body of Christ and individually members of it. This is the reading of the sacred word. It's reliable, and it can be trusted. Let's go to the Lord in a word of prayer now as we prepare for our study. God, in this moment, your worshipers are attuned. If only for a moment, you have our attention. All through the week, our hearts are drawn and quartered by every other energy that requires our energy, but not right now. Not here and not now. You are our singular focus in this moment. And we pray that as we study your sacred word today, your spirit would be able in this moment to remove from the shoulders of your worshipers any burden that keeps us from being free to hear you and encounter you and see you. We pray that your spirit, this moment, would allow scales to fall from the eyes of your worshipers, beginning even with this one, with me, Lord, so that the words that I may bring may be more than the words of a single person, that we may actually be able to say that we have heard a word from you today. That is our prayer, and we lift it in the name of Christ. Amen. Sometimes, God's greatest gifts come in disguise. The, one of the best examples of this truth came about six years ago at a high school basketball game in Rochester, New York. I want you to take the next two minutes and 20 seconds to see what happened. Grace Athena High School in Rochester, New York has a new most unlikely hero, a special ed student by the name of Jason McElwain. Let's keep it going. Jason is the basketball team manager. For the past couple years, he's been assisting coach Jim Johnson, helping with whatever the team needs. Get him motivated and uh, hand out water and just be enthusiastic. Enthusiastic, to say the least. Despite being born with autism, Jason's father says his son has never had a problem expressing himself at basketball games. You know, I was always concerned that he might get a technical and they lose a game because he, you know, start yelling or whatever. Let's have a hard practice tomorrow, all hour and a half, and let's get ready for Arcadia. Okay. Let's go. One, two, three, two. Because he has been so devoted to the team, for the last game of the season, Coach Johnson decided to let Jason actually suit up. 
not to play necessarily, just to let him feel what it's like to wear a jersey. At least that was the plan. But with four minutes to go in last week's game, Coach Johnson stood up and pointed to number 52, Jason McElwain. After years of fetching water and toweling off other people's sweat, Jason was actually in a game. His first shot was a 20-footer from the right baseline. Was it close? Did you almost make I missed, it? I just airballed it. <laughs> I'm like, just, dear God, please, let's just get him a basket. His second shot missed, too, but the third was a charm. A three-point no-doubter. And Jason wasn't done yet. Not by a long shot. If I wasn't there to witness it, I wouldn't have lived it, you know? You caught fire. It just caught fire. I was hot as a pistol. Jason ended up shooting six three-pointers, one right after the other. He had 20 points total, and each time a shot went in, his teammates and the crowd went a little crazier. His last basket, right at the buzzer, created total mayhem. Because he is autistic, Jason says he's used to feeling different, but never this different. Never this wonderful. Steve Hartman, CBS News, Rochester, New York. <laughs> yeah, go ahead, celebrate. Isn't that wonderful? I, sometimes God's greatest gifts, God's greatest strengths, God's greatest beautiful moments come in disguise. We live in a culture where we stack people according to predictable categories, don't we? I mean, over here are the talented ones, and over here the not so. Oh, this is where the beautiful people gather together, and these, the others. This is where the wise are, and these are the foolish. The strong, the weak, those with, those without. But the truth is, if you and I had the eyes to see, we might discover that that all of God's greatest strength and best gifts and most beauty is seen in the most unlikely of places and, and the most unlikely of faces. It surprises us. God's great grace comes sometimes camouflaged. And this is what Paul is trying to convince the Corinthians to believe because they stacked people to these are the ones with the real gifts, and they're really impressive. Everybody wants to see and hear and be with these. But these, yeah, they're gifted, but it's not quite the same thing. They stacked and categorized people according to the cultural appropriations of the day. And Paul was going bonkers. Paul continues to say to them what he's been saying for the first 10, 11 chapters of 1 Corinthians. That it's easy for you to be so shaped by the cultural standards and expectations around you that you begin to blur who you really are. He began to see in the pattern of the church at Corinth that all of the standards of the Corinthian culture were beginning to seep into the bloodstream of the people in the church. And, and as I've been saying throughout this entire series, almost like a, like a base note throughout the entire series, when any church in any age 
forgets who we are as salt and light in a, in a thirsty and dark world, then we run the risk of being enticed or enchanted by the easy ethic of a culture that would have us forget who we are and blur the lines about what we are meant to be in this world. And in chapter 10, 11, and 12, Paul is trying to to sound the, the drumbeat of who they are meant to be, sounding the trumpet call to remind them that when it comes to Christian community, being the body of, of Christ, it's as if he's saying, you're getting it wrong. You're stacking people. And already I've seen in you, the church at Corinth, that you have stacked these people with these abilities here and these other people with these abilities that you call disabilities here And Christ is not honored. And through this, he continually calls them to focus their attention on the cross of Jesus. That that we are to live cross-centered, cross-focused, cross-shaped lives. And in Paul's opinion, Paul seems to believe that we can define community based on what we see in the cross of Jesus. And that's, that's what he's calling them to. He's calling them to a cruciform Community. Now, when we say the word community, that's a word that means a lot to JCBC. I mean, community is, is a central part of who we are as a congregation. If you're new to us, you won't have to be here long before you realize that community is part of the heartbeat of who we are at this church. I mean, it's number three in our core values. Out of the seven core values that make us who we are, number three, the core view of community, says this, believing we are all imperfect people with unfinished stories and further believing that our Lord welcomed all such people with a radical hospitality and loved all persons without limitation, we value authentic Christian community where any and all of God's beloved may belong. This It's part of who we are. In our 2017 congregational study, it ranked number three out of all of the most important things to us as a congregation. The things we value. Just behind, uh, well, number one was excellence in music, which we've experienced here this day already. And number two was shorter sermons. No, wait. Or something like that. And then three is, is congregational or community, uh, this sense of authentic Christian community. Even during the pandemic, when we sent these surveys routinely to you, they were to see, how are you doing? Where are you? What's your behavior pattern? How's your attitude? How are you feeling? What are your needs, both during and after pandemic? And the number one felt need, the number one expressed need from this church is, we need community again. This is who we are. But even in a church that values community as deeply as we value community, we can still get it wrong. If we're not careful, we too can be enchanted, enticed by the easy ethic of the culture around us. And we too can define what it means to be in community by categories of rank and esteem and ability and a sense of Um, sameness and yet when we do we run the same risk as the Corinthians the risk of becoming blind to the reality sometimes the hidden giftedness and holy power of God is best found in every single 
member who calls him Lord. This was the risk at Corinthians. They were becoming blinded to the reality that in every single member of the community resided the power of God's presence through the Spirit. But they couldn't see it because they were ranking people the way the culture around them ranked people. So he calls them to a cruciform, a cross-shaped way of seeing one another. Now, today, in our experience as JCBC, I want to hold up what we see as community, but, but come at it from the, well, from the edges. Can I just give you my entire message in one sentence? I've been doing that the last couple of weeks, and nobody has left at that point. Can I just tell you what this whole message is today in one sentence? It is this. The true power of Christian community is experienced when two or more individuals who have been shaped by the cross of Jesus, or shaped by the cross of Jesus, allow the Christ who is alive within them to actually come alive between them. I want you to let that hang there in front of you for just a moment. That's what we're unpacking today. The true power of Christian community is, is experienced when two or more individuals who have been shaped by the cross of Jesus allow the Christ who is alive in them actually become alive between them. Now, how do you do that? How do you experience true community, cruciform community where we actually experience the risen Christ between us. Well, part of it involves learning how to show up and step up. To show up and step up. First, show up. Now, you might think that what I mean when I say show up is get here to church, and that's not what I mean today. Although, get here to church, <laughs> But showing up, you know there is a difference between showing up and showing up. There's a difference between simply abiding in space and actually becoming present in that space. To show up in Christian community means to bring with you everything that has shaped you up until that moment. To bring all of those moments that you're proud of, all those high moments of success and achievement and accomplishment, all the, the moments of celebration and victory and overcoming, to bring that with you, yeah, to church and into community, but to also bring with you your scars, the scars that you, that you got from having fallen on your faces in failure and all the memories of deep fear that you had to navigate with the Christ who brought you through, to bring all of that that has shaped you into the person you have been becoming, to bring that into Christian community, has the capacity to shape the community itself, to bring healing to the community. And in the surprising, unexpected places of hidden giftedness in you, you actually have the capacity to transform the body by being here. And, and as soon as those words come out of my mouth, I know what some of you are thinking. You're like, I don't, I don't think he's talking about me. I don't think he's talking about me because he might be talking about the ones who have these very visible gifts and they can lead on these committees and serve on these mission experiences and trips. And maybe they have a talent to use in worship. He's talking about those people. No. I'm talking about every one of us. 
Every single one of us has something to bring to bear upon the Christian community that shapes the community into who it is. And I know why it is that you may feel as if you've got nothing to offer. Well, I'm not as, intro, I'm not as extroverted as others. I'm not as talented. I don't really kind of brandish the things that I think are important to me. I just keep them quiet. I show up. I do my thing at church. I go home. Maybe I don't have much to contribute. Well, bull butter. <laughs> the Apostle Paul would beg to argue and, and, and beg to differ. In the seventh verse of the text that we just read a, a minute ago, there's this powerful line. To each is given the manifestation of the Spirit for the common good. That means within each of us resides the presence of the divine. If you are in Christ, you have welcomed the Lord to abide and to take residence in your life. Not only residence, but precedence. <laughs> To not simply reside, but to preside in your life. And as such, you embody the holy presence and action of God as we speak. Now, whether you're aware of it or not is one thing. Whether you have come to the place where you have awakened to that reality, well, that's another story altogether. And Sometimes we speak of salvation as being, like Paul says, waking up to the awareness that God has done everything necessary to be known by God and to live a life that is free and full and purposeful. I've said for many years now to you that there is an experience in your journey with Jesus that is singularly unique to you. And until you learn to show up with that, there is a part of the character of God that we will never see because nobody has known what it's been like to walk exactly in your shoes and how you've been rescued and how God has attended you in the midnight hour and when you have experienced being pulled out of miry clay unless you know how to show up with that part of your story, there's a part of God that we'll never hear. So it's vital that in cruciform community, you learn how to show up. But I'm not even talking about just showing up at church or showing up to put rear ends in pews. I'm talking about showing up in here. I'm talking about showing up in the heart to actually literally be attentive to the power of what God is up to in your own life. Most of us just kind of sleepwalk through this journey with Christ. But if we were to, by chance, wake up on those nights that you wake up at 3 a.m. and you can't go back to sleep, maybe you don't for a little while. You wake up and you look around and take inventory over what's happening in your life. And if you could show up to the, to the thing that God is up to in you, and there is the power to actually transform not just this church and this community, but the world that God so loved that God sent God's only son. Yeah. But showing up like that is, well, it requires something on our part. It requires more than just a measurement of how many people showed up on Sunday morning, but it shows it's a, it's a measurement of how many people engaged how many people actually showed up with all their heart and all their mind, all their soul to bring to bear to the Christian community everything they've experienced? Well, this is what we talk about when we refer to the incarnation. And if you're new to the Christian faith or new to this church, incarnation is just a big, fat, churchy word that means 
showing up. That in Christ, we believe God showed up to show us in the person of Jesus that we have always been in God and always will be in God. And in the person of Jesus, in the face of Jesus, we see it most clearly identified. And in John 1, chapter 1, verse 14, we hear Eugene Peterson translate that gorgeous verse this way. The word became flesh and blood and moved into the neighborhood. The incarnation is simply showing up. We serve a God who showed up, but in serving a God who showed up, that means you and I are called in a community in which we learn to show up in the neighborhood of someone else's heart to say, yeah, me too. So yeah, I am imperfect and unfinished, right? But together there's a mutual strength that grows from that. In fact, some of God's greatest great strength emerges when we confess our weaknesses. So, an example. So in, I'm going to show you kind of what it looks like to actually show up in the lives of someone else. First, you show up in the life of your own walked experience. But when you show up in here, then you muster the courage to show up with what's in here before others in the neighborhood of their own journey. And when you do, transformation can take place. And here's an example. In the the northwest part of the country of Namibia in, in the, on the continent of Africa. N Namibia is just northwest of South Africa. But in the northwest portion of Namibia, there is a people called the Himba people. The Himba people have a beautiful tradition. If a Himba woman is expecting a child, she and her sisters will go out into the wilderness for days. And together they will listen. They will abide with each other. They will show up with one another. And in showing up with one another, their, their intent, their goal is to listen for the unique song of the child that is to come. And they'll wait under the stars and they'll wait for days. They'll wait as long as it takes until they begin to, to feel beneath their own heartbeats, the heartbeat of this child who is coming. Because they know that in every heart there is a wild and untamable life and it's unique to that child. No one else has ever lived it before. And they begin to find music and song that is unique to that child so that when she is born, she is born into a world where her first breath is also to the tune of these women singing her into existence. They go back to the village and then they, they teach this song to the rest of the village. And when the baby is born, all the village around holds and passes the baby around singing to her her unique song that's been written for her to live. Then she goes off to school and as she goes off for her education, they sing her away with great boldness and courage and hope. And then when she goes through the rites of passage to become an adult, they sing her through the transition. When she stands to become married to someone with whom she has fallen in love and who has fallen in love with her, they sing her song. And then when she walks the path that every one of us walk, which is from time to time losing our way, falling down on our faces, forgetting who we are, there's a beautiful moment when the village gently brings her to the center of the village 
And all the families surround her in the middle of the village as if she has her own constellation of stars. And they sing the song that is uniquely designed to her to remember who she is. And I think about that as I think about cruciform community. That Paul is calling us to show up for, so, for one another in such a way that we literally are able to recognize in one another the unique song that's being sung by the divine. And as we attend one another and pay attention to one another, there's power and transformation in the community. It's not just about a fellowship and covered dish uh, socials. It's about literally seeing beyond the clay jar to the treasure that is hidden in the clay jar of one another. To show up. But not just to show up, to step up. So we step up with one another when we become present with each other. There is someone in your life who God has placed right now and maybe lately you don't know why they have been on your mind and they have been lodged in your heart for some reason. It might be that the spirit who is in you is calling you to show up for them. So Paul is attempting to get the Corinthians to show up because the problem is they're stacking people and this is where the gifted people go and this is where the ungifted people go. And he says, look, that's not how a body works. To be in community with one another, the best metaphor, he says, is like a, I don't know, maybe a, a body where a foot can't say to the hand, hey, I don't need you, and the, and the ear can't say to the eye, I don't need you. But if every part of the body can just learn to be that part and to show up, if the foot could just show up and be a foot, if the hand could just show up and be a hand, if every individual member of the body could just show up and be everything who you have been becoming, then the body has the capacity to transform the world. Now, let me kind of give you an idea what that looks like. So Paul, also in this text that we read earlier, has another gorgeous line in verse 26. Listen to these words. He says, if one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member is honored, all rejoice together with it. And that's one of those verses in Scripture that's easy for us to just really kind of blow right by and not pay attention to the power of it. If one member suffers, all suffer together with it. If one member uh, is honored, then all rejoice together with it. Several years ago, I had to go and have some emergency dental work done. Because if you have never had a toothache that makes you just want to, you know, uh, go toothless, you know. If you, I'm serious. If you have a toothache that you can't get underneath, that will drive you bonkers, right? And all of a sudden, it came on so strong. And I had this pain that was unbearable in two places, a tooth on top and a tooth just underneath. So I called the dentist, and he was my friend. I said, I don't know what to do. He said, meet me down at the place. It was after hours, and he, and he went to look and see what we needed to do about it. And he said, well, the bottom tooth is fine. I said, no, it's not. I said, you're not inside my head. It, it's killing me. He said, no, what I'm saying is there's no problem with the bottom tooth. What you're experiencing in the bottom tooth is the fact that it's what we refer to as referred pain. What the tooth is doing is telling the head there's a problem in another part of the mouth. 
And the part that has no problem at all is feeling the pain of another part of the body and signaling to the brain, we've got a problem. Because when one member suffers, all suffer together with it. Several years ago, I was, I was in a ski accident. I told you about this story, but I told you for another reason. What I didn't tell you was after they got me off the mountain in the toboggan, like the slide of shame down to the clinic, I'm at the infirmary there, and, and I'm, I'm on the, the table being examined, and the doc says, yeah, you probably have a couple of broken ribs. And, and I'm sitting there, and I'm shaking, freezing, but I'm, I'm, I'm shaking. My whole body can't stop shaking. And I, I said, doc, you know, what's, what's going on here? It reminded me of that scene from Blazing Saddles where the guy talks to the expert shooter and says, you know, I'm not in the game anymore. He says, you see that? And the guy says, yeah, steady as a rock. He goes, yeah, but I shoot with this one, you know. <laughs> well, I was, I was like this all over. And I said, what's going on? He said, don't worry about it. It's okay. It's your sympathetic nervous system. It knows that there's a broken part of you and it's signaling to the whole body there's something wrong. When one member suffers, all suffer together with it. This is what it means to be in cruciform community that we don't do life by ourselves. We don't simply walk through this journey with Jesus as if we are soloists. We, we do this together. We pay attention to the power of our mutual journey. In Galatians 6 verse 2, we hear these words, bear with one another or bear one another's burdens. And in this way, you fulfill the law of Christ. When you bear one another's burdens. And I just want to give you an example of what that looks like at JCBC. So many of you know that one of our families in the church, uh, the Portmans. Here's a picture of Lindsay and her precious um, daughters, Taylor and Nicole. Uh, they are probably here. I just don't, I can't see you if you are uh, here today. But So y- you've been praying for the Portmans. And I asked permission to share the story from these families I'm talking about today. Uh, over the past a little more than a year now, many of you have been praying for Lindsay and her girls. Because a little more than a year ago, um, they experienced uh, the awful, tragic loss of their dad. And so Lindsay, through this entire journey, has been supported and lifted by many of our prayers and prayers of those who are in her family and neighborhood and so forth. But she's been faithfully showing up here with her daughters in every way that she can to continue the walk of faith. It is truly inspiring to me. Well, this past week she was at VBS. This week we had VBS this year in a different way. It was family style where the families, dads, moms, grandparents walked around with the kids to the different stations. It was partly out of need and partly out of creativity and it was totally unexpected how well received many of the families uh, said that it was that it allowed them to make a connection with other parents that they previously didn't know. And they're down on the floor sharing about Jesus with their kids, and the other parents are down on the floor sharing with their kids also about Jesus, and it was powerful, really powerful. Well, so Lindsay and her daughters were in the the Blue Dolphin group. (laughs) Somebody else who was in the Blue Dolphin group um, were the Gaines family. Here's a picture of the Gaines. It's Brent and Christina Gaines, along with Kaylee and Savannah and Claire. You, you may recognize the Gaines family because uh, we've been praying for Claire. 
You know that she has a special health condition, made big news around, and many are in prayer as they, they face the challenges of raising their, their daughter through this very rare uh, health condition uh, that they're seeking to, to navigate. Well, they're in the Blue Dolphin group with the Portmans. So they begin to talk. They get to know each other. They make a new connection they had never met before. And yet, one night after VBS, Christina Gaines goes home, and she looks on Facebook to, to try to friend, to try to Facebook friend Lindsay, now that they have this new connection that they met here in, in VBS. And then she looks and begins to, to see part of the story on her timeline of what the girls and she had experienced over the last year. And then it dawns on her. This is the family my family has been praying for for the last year. She had heard the story of what they had gone through and the unspeakable loss that they had experienced and were praying with her daughters for this other family they had never met until they're on the floor at VBS in the Blue Dolphin group. So she Facebook friends her and sends her a message and here's a picture of them sitting together at VBS and this post, just take a look at that for just a moment. There's Lindsay and her girls and Christina on the far end, and they're celebrating this new connection, this new sense of community, all in the most unexpected places of having come out of pain and navigating the suffering in which one part of the body experiences the other's suffering. And this is the, the post that, that Lindsay posted along with this picture. Another big God hug today. Last night at VBS, the girls and I met a sweet mommy named Christina. After talking for a little bit, we realized we live really close to each other, and, and our girls go to the same school. Then this afternoon, I got a message from her. She realized we were the family she had been praying for since last year when she had heard our story. We had never seen each other or knew each other's names, but along with so many others, She's been praying for my family all this time. Here we are with all of our girls. How blessed am I? That, my sisters and brothers, that picture on your screen right now is a snapshot of cruciform love and cruciform community. Because here are these women, and Brent, and, and, but the picture is of these women, and, and all their daughters, and these women, these moms are showing up and stepping up to bring their daughters to a place where at church, these girls will grow in an environment where they will learn their calling, they will learn what it is the Spirit wants from them, and they will grow recognizing that to follow Jesus means you show up and you step up, not just for yourself, but for others who are in pain and who struggle and who need transformation just like you. That is cruciform community. Amen. Yeah. And I just wonder today, if that kind of community, that kind of intimacy and sharing and mutual love is something that you've been missing. Because if so, it is available to you in as much as it's available to any of us. And maybe you're, you feel like you've been on the outside of faith looking in for a long time and you don't know what to do about it. Maybe you're hearing me talk about how wonderful it is. We all have a unique song and the power of community as we sing each other's song when we forget our way and we, we harness the power of mutual community and love. But you feel like you're outside looking through the window. 
maybe access to that kind of power and community is easier than you think. Because it's already been provided in Christ. The cross has provided everything that you possibly could need. But maybe it's stopping to confess an awareness that you need it. Maybe you you pray words like this today. And if you mean it in your heart, just speak it in your heart. God, I recognize that I've come to the end of myself and I've tried to do this journey alone or I've tried to define what it means to be in community by all all the standards outside of your standard, God. But right now I stop and I yield myself. I bend my knee before the cross and I yield myself to the reality that it is only you who can redeem and shape me. I pray that you would receive me. I pray that you would forgive me of my sins and that you would renew me from within. And if if you would accept one like me in your beloved community, Lord, then I will follow you all of my days. I will attempt in the best way I can to show up and to step up. And that's my prayer, Lord, and I pray it in the name of Jesus. Amen. So friends, I pray that you feel like you are in a part of a community like that, that lifts one another, that feels one another's burdens, that carries the load with one another. But if you just prayed a prayer like that for the very first time, I want you to know that you you need to tell somebody about that so that we can walk alongside you and lift you as you take your next step in faith. So at the end of the benediction in just a moment, in both the FLC and in the sanctuary, our pastors will be available. Here toward the front, we'll have Annie Westbrook. She'll be coming even now. She's coming to receive you. In the, in the Family Life Center, we'll have Michael McCullough who'll be there to receive you. And when we conclude, I simply want you to do this. Walk up to one of them and say, hey, I prayed that prayer, and I'm not sure what to do next. Can you help me? And they will. If you're at home and you've made a similar kind of decision, then we also want to know. We want you to email us at connect at jcbc.org so we can do the same with you, walk alongside you, and take seriously this big decision that you've made. Until then, and for right now, it's time for us to prepare to enter into the world as transformed followers of Jesus. So now, wherever you may be, as you're able, would you stand to your feet in the sanctuary, in the Family Life Center? Because now we come to the moment in worship when we scatter. And we scatter deliberately into the world to to demonstrate by the way we live that we actually believe what we have affirmed in this place. So wherever it is that Christ takes you, may Christ go before you to prepare your way. May Christ go behind you on the days that you fear and feel like retreating to encourage you one step forward at a time. May Christ go to your right and Christ to your left, abiding closer than even a sister or a brother. May Christ go above you when dark clouds roll in to remind you there is one above the clouds who at the end of the day has the final word. May Christ go beneath you, girding you, confidence and removing all forms of fear but mostly may Christ go in you 
transforming you from the inside out until your hearts beat in rhythm with his. Go in the grace and peace of our Lord.